MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You ready to check your feelings at the door? Check it out. Check it out. This is Am I Reister or Am I Wrong? We're bringing you facts and only the truth. Now, Am I Reister or Am I Wrong? Am I Reister or Am I Wrong? Isaiah Stewart was trying to kill LeBron James. But why didn't he do it before he got held back when he was standing right in front of LeBron? Hmm. Uh, King Richard, the movie made by Venus and Serena Williams, is being criticized because it's propping up the patriarchy. What? Dan Mullen gets fired from the University of Florida and these college football coaching jobs are open. Dude, it, it's like more than 10% of jobs have been open. This is insanity. Um, and NFL has so much craziness going on. Um, what's up with Josh's boy and his bills? Josh Allen, they are no longer in first place in the AFC East. Order has been restored by Bill Belichick. Um, <laughs> You guys... I'm George Reister. He's Ralph Amson, and this is Reister or Wrong, the intersection where sports, business, society, and pop culture meet the truth. Absolute fire on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Facts only. Make sure you check your feelings at the door because no BS is allowed. We keep it 100. And of course, you can shoot us an email. I'm Matt. I am M A D at unafraidshow.com or shoot us a text message. 818-293-7547. It's 818-293-7547. So, Ralph, I guess we'll start with the Kang, LeBron James. So, he got into it with Isaiah Stewart at the free throw line yesterday, and everybody is calling Isaiah Stewart a maniac, a wild man, like all types sort of bestial, you know, beastly things bestiality <laughs> now I, I was i was like hold up hold up hold up <laughs> it's too early in the show <laughs> to, to get this far off track <laughs> okay oh my gosh all, all sort of beastly things i don't okay. know why that word came out but whatever this is what happens when you're doing live things oh um, yeah no save that save that for the therapist <laughs> All right, here's the clip of what, what happened. They're at the free throw line. LeBron James 
doesn't like the way Isaiah Stewart is bodying him. So he like shoots an elbow and ends up clocking Isaiah Stewart in the face. And here's the aftermath. And then you saw Zach Levine light him up, then Giannis, and then Jason Tatum. And tonight it's their number one guy, Jeremy Grant. Uh-oh, uh-oh, Stewart and LeBron. Stewart is hot, and everybody's coming out now. Now, this is ridiculous. Yeah, he must have caught an elbow or something, but... Oh, yeah, he's he's got a lot of blood streaming from the side of the eye. Look, here goes Stewart! <laughs> the best part of this is the fake... I'm calming down. Okay, I'm calm, I'm calm, I'm calm. Yeah, I think he's a little upset. You've got coaches, you got security guys. Look at Dwayne Casey's like, just calm down. And there's Cade Cunningham also. It was along the free throw line on the free throw, and he's still trying to get loose. <laughs> He is knocking over. And he's out of the game. Bro, that was a fake fight attempt. Can we agree with that? No. No, we cannot. You don't think, that, dude, he was standing right in front of LeBron. If he wanted to punch LeBron, he could have done it right there. Right? Who said he was, but who says he was trying to punch LeBron? What, what do you think he was trying to do? Have a conversation with him? I think he was trying to say his piece. I think he was trying to I think he was trying to have the opportunity one on one with LeBron to say whatever it is he had to say and Bro, he wasn't LeBron trying to say, say anything. He was trying to say it with his fists. Then like you're saying he would have done it in the moment. We don't know that he was I think I think I think that he was trying to handle it. He was upset. It I'm not saying that what he did was logical that but I also want to point out I've seen so many people. I was watching Sports Center this morning and repeatedly they're just like, look how crazy he is. Look how crazy he's acting. He's getting crazy. But you've never either A been punched in the face or B been around somebody who is finding out for the very first time that they don't like something that happened to them because some people have a hard time getting over stuff. The okay. end. Like okay. that here that's it. Here is here is the nobody. Truth. I don't, nobody was faking anything in that moment, though. I think that he was upset. And then you and I have talked about this on this show many times. What is a really, really, really dumb thing to do to certain people who are interacting with a heavy dose of testosterone? What do you mean? Put hands on them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. Dude, when, when, that uh, dude had people laying hands on him like he was in church. Because, dude, they had to, dude. He was going to, dude, he was going to go try to fight LeBron. Do you understand this? But I, yeah, but what I don't understand is it feels like you're saying both things. Like he wasn't trying to fight LeBron because he had the opportunity to do it, or, or they had to separate him because he could have done See, it. See, the thing like, is, had he gotten to LeBron, what he may have had to fight because Le, 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 LeBron may have thrown a one-two piece at him by the by the time he got close to him because and that looks right. like somebody is so so okay so let let's deal with the different characters in this thing right so yeah. let's start with the first part of it okay LeBron shoots the elbow which is not uncommon like for NBA it's not players un, it's not uncommon but let's be real clear there is a very clear angle on this that shows a lip bite. And and you and I both know what that lip bite is. Like you were get the fuck off. <laughs> like, yeah. he, he had that. He he was. It was not. Um, you can make an argument that it was not like he didn't want the outcome that he got. Yeah, he didn't try to but, crack his eye open. Right, but he was trying to check a young man. And yes. he was trying to do it aggressively, and he was frustrated. Yes, and when so, you do shit in frustration. Like I mean, how many times you've been working around the house, the tool you're using isn't working correctly. And so you just chuck it and it goes and breaks something else <laughs> that you so, didn't need to fix. So should LeBron be suspended? Yes. Yeah. What? Absolutely. Give him a how game, many times does sure. that happen? Dude, they don't suspend people for that. He hit him in the face. They don't su exactly. They don't suspend people for, for, for flagrant twos. 
Like, that's so uncommon. Like, you have to do something egregious to get suspended. And if he should be suspended, how long should he be suspended for? One game. Okay. Okay. I can deal with the one game suspension. Yeah, I don't think it's that big of a deal. I don't yeah. think it's that big of a deal. It's super amplified by the by the situation. But by like the way, that, Isaiah Stewart acted. Okay, so yeah. mm-hmm. so now let's so now let's go to the next part of the interaction. Yeah, them face to face. I yeah. believe that had Isaiah Stewart not lost his damn mind, that LeBron would have apologized to him. They they already said that LeBron was like, "Yo, my bad. I'm sorry." But but but, what but, is, but you is, know LeBron. LeBron. He would have James. apologized to him in the press conference. He would have gone to the locker room. Can can we agree on that? That after he knew that the dude was bleeding, that LeBron yeah, would no. have probably, and especially if it became like a big deal, then LeBron certainly would have found his way to like. Uh, be in the narrative as much as humanly possible because say uh, like I love LeBron James I love watching LeBron James play but like the guy has an innate ability to make situations about himself and this one he was actually involved in and I'm 100% sure he would have found some way to be like you know I'm definitely the 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 victim here of having gotten pushed but like but I my handmade connection and I I feel really bad about it that he pushed me and that I did that. Like, he would have found some way. He would have found some way to apologize. No, no he would have like, apo- dude, dude, he's the greatest teammate of all time, dude. He would have found a way to do the right thing. What? So, okay. So now the next part of this, right? So now Is you have um, LeBron James. Well, I sorry, Isaiah Stewart being held back. He's running around all this stuff. Right. We we have already established that that he wanted to go fight LeBron. Now, now, or actually, see, I'm I'm unsure because he knew that people were going to hold him back, but I think he just wanted to show that he was tough. But had he gotten gotten loose, he would have had to pay up. On on all this that that he did, he was his his upsetness was creating chaos. Though I think he was mad, mad. I yes. don't think that he was. I I think in his mind he. So why he, didn't he do anything when LeBron was standing there? Because I think again, I think that it was amplified by people trying to hold him back. We we have talked about this on on this show that there are some people who you can activate their testosterone in a really weird way by telling them to calm down okay like now, calm down does not work and that he was getting the he was getting the like the sun's real low buddy from you know everybody was trying to play scarlett johansson with the hulk at the exact same time but it was frenetic you have people coming at him from all sides hugging him what was he saying the whole time you can read go. his lips let me go get, get the f off me let me go let me go because i just he, don't think i don't I, he just got touched in the head i don't think he wanted to be touched anymore he did a good job of not taking that out on anybody else even though he ran over some staffers that i would not be surprised to file some workman's comp <laughs> stuff against the detroit pistons but at the same time like i don't i just think that there are some people that physical contact in that moment of aggression is not the best thing for them. You know, there's not anything else you could have really done, but when everybody's reacting, like you're a crazy person, when you have 40 people trying to hold you back or whatever, I think it gets confusing. And I think that he also just took a shot to like, you get hit in the head. It's not, I'm not saying he was like concussed or anything, but you get hit in the head and you all of a sudden get flooded. Yeah. It's literally like fight or flight. And he's trying to do both. Okay. So now the question is this, right? Yeah. So so now the next question in in all of this is like if they were if they were allowed to get in a fight, who would have won? I mean, it does one of Isaiah Stewart if Isaiah Stewart and LeBron James get into a fight, who would have won? Well, what's weird is so like we're talking about one of the most physically gifted athletes in the history of sport and also talking about like the one athlete that has come into the NBA in the last few years 
who doesn't really know what to do with it yet, but actually has the same physique. And so, you know, it is Isaiah Stewart dangerous? Yes, absolutely. Like in a fight, he has everything that you would like. He got all the muscles and all the elbow angles and everything that you would want. But one of them is a th- one of them is a 36 year old man. And one of them is a 20 year old. And I would like to think that if somebody came up to me who was 20 and all other things being equal experience wins out. So I'm, I think also he's got a target, which is a giant gaping wound that I think puts him at a disadvantage. <laughs> so his vision is blurred too. Okay. His vision is blurred. And okay, also so, like, if you so, see somebody with a gaping wound coming at you, where are you going to hit them in the gaping wound? Right. Okay. So, so who are you? Ta- so you're taking LeBron in the fight. In that fight, if yeah. that fight were to happen and you have one guy who has his wits about him and one guy that is overly angry and bleeding all over the place, I'm taking the guy who is experienced and calm. Yeah, I'm taking LeBron in this fight, too. Now, the last part of this thing is this. What happens to Isaiah Stewart? Because he also he's, needs a one gamer. He's a seven. And, and that game, the game needs to be the next time they play each other. <laughs> okay, so... I'm not if I'm on the NBA, I look at what happened there and I'm like that we're not going to try to make a rating okay. out of this. So now, so now because it, it, it's Isaiah Stewart, like you can't have. So Gilbert Arenas talked about this last night. He said that he is Isaiah Stewart is going to get traded to Siberia or because <laughs> Detroit is Siberia. Right yes, now. correct. But I mean, he might he might get traded to like Houston um, and or out of the NBA because you there are he said there are uh, four people in the NBA that you cannot even act like you really want to fight. That is LeBron James. That is Kevin Durant and the two light skinned boys from Golden State. You cannot. Those are the Golden Boys. Do not touch them. Do not even act like you want to fight them. Otherwise, you will find yourself out of the NBA. And I guarantee you that that whoever is somebody from the league is telling Isaiah Stewart, bro, let it go. Because if you do not, you will not be playing in the NBA. Touch LeBron James and you will not be in the NBA. I guarantee somebody's having that discussion with him. I guarantee that... uh you see a 20 year old average seven, seven and one and out there acting like a Davis brother that it might've crossed LeBron James's mind that Siberia is actually Los Angeles. <laughs> I'd be like, come on, buddy. Come on over here and join the party, baby. We need this I, kind of energy that we need. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Kinda, we, we need somebody to show some fight. And you know what? The like Lakers when, actually uh, balled Kobe out. wanted uh, Matt Barnes. Yeah, something like that. But it's but here's the thing. Um, This is not good for LeBron and his legacy. It's one of those things where. Oh, this doesn't matter. To some people, I think it does. To some people, I think I I think that it does. The only people that this matters to about LeBron already don't like LeBron. You're right. You're absolutely right. That like people who are always looking for a reason to hate on LeBron are going to look at that and say, you know, that's bad, but also like not everybody is in their thirties. There's going to be people who are, who are newer to their NBA fan. Nobody's going to choose Isaiah Stewart over LeBron. Except there are Pistons fans. Right. But if people were coming into their basketball fandom, George, in the late nineties, if people were coming into their basketball fandom in the late nineties and what they saw was Michael Jordan dropping 19 a game for the wizards and the number one pick in the draft getting called every name in the book by that guy, their their outlook of Michael Jordan coming into their fandom generationally was probably going to be lower. These are going to be the people who are more about Kobe, AI, stuff like that. There are young basketball fans who are going to see LeBron taking a shot at Isaiah Stewart while the Lakers struggle and say like, ah, you know, old man pissed off done with him like there it's not it, it's it, it's not um 
It's not LeBron's just a matter too of cool, bro. LeBron's too cool. I'm out here in these high school streets, man. They he is that man, bro. I mean, and it, and it may be because I'm around Sierra Canyon every day. And and if you spoke a bad word about Le, Le, LeBron, they might uh, throw you throw you in the Pacific. But no, no. All right. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not sure. Like uh, his son's school is the best place to get. Uh, your objective information <laughs> um, on the reputation of LeBron James. I love LeBron. I've always loved LeBron, but like he got frustrated and he went too far. And the person he hit was not in the mood <laughs> to have his face busted open at that point in time. And in the, in the incident overall is ugly and it's not LeBron James fault that it went as far as it did, but he's involved. And there are going to be people who look and see like the whole team doing the Avengers back to back thing uh, while LeBron stands as far away as he possibly can, you know, and there are going to be people who look at that and be like, oh, OK, he's not about it. Nope. And those people would be right. He shouldn't be about it. Correct. The whole thing is ridiculous. Like fighting is dumb. Dude, and his teammates know you got to protect the king. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, speaking of the king, King Richard, baby, King Richard. Who would have thought, dude, not in my wildest imagination, did I think that a movie made by Venus and Serena Williams about their father and their road to becoming tennis's greatest stars of all time. Serena's the greatest of all time. 
Venus is one of the top five of all time. In tennis, like he got Michael Jordan twice. They were trailblazers. They didn't come for money. And, bro, never in my life did I believe, or even it didn't even cross my mind, that this movie would be criticized for what it was about. And Dr. Jessica Taylor, this woman tweeted, I get annoyed because I didn't, I genuinely didn't expect a film about two of the most powerful, successful, amazing black female athletes to be named after a man or center a man. I would have loved this film to be about them and not a man. That's all really. And as y'all said, did, did they seriously make a film called King Richard about the success of Venus and Serena Williams? But it's about their dad, Richard. I, I am so confused, Ralph, because Venus and Serena made the movie. They made the movie about what they wanted it to be about. They wanted to give the man the credit who made this happen. Like, yes, they had to go out there and play. They did it. But he came with the vision and the plan. He made this happen. Like, dude, no, th this would not have happened without uh, without Richard Williams. It would not have happened. He came with a vision from the time they were born and executed said vision. And, and most of all, and mind you, he is a flawed man, but he protected those girls made sure other people didn't attack them, made sure that they were, that their innocence in their childhood was what was maintained. He had to be forced to let them uh, turn pro because he said he didn't think they were ready. And bro, I, I just, bro, I just cannot understand Ralph, how anybody would try to turn this into a patriarchy argument when his daughters made the movie. Yeah, I mean, w to try to be empathetic to why, and it wasn't just her, there were a lot of people on social media who um, were trying to come to the defense of people who weren't asking for any help, saying that the focus on the father of two successful women uh, with all his flaws and, and, and uh, you know, uh, um, glossing over some of those flaws in order to make a movie and celebrate this man is in some way an assault on the movement to topple the patriarchy and whatnot. Um, sometimes when that is your headspace and that's all you think about, and that's your battle day in and day out, that's the lens through which you're going to see things. But if the Williams sisters wanted it to be this way, then the Williams sisters wanted it to be this way. That should, in theory, take all of the air out of anybody's argument that they're trying to make, that you're actually trying to stand in the way of two women who are trying to have a story told the way that they want it told. And they didn't want the, the enforcement. It's two separate stories, like their rise and their journeys and battles that they went through is a totally different story than the origin about how they even got to the position. They they stopped when they were like 15. Like the movie stopped when they were 15. Do you re realize that there's 25 years, well, sorry, 26 years of movie left? 26 right. years. Venus is 41. Serena's 40. There is 26 more years. Like how are we going to try to act like that? that I, I can't. I can't. Well, and also, I also like, is there not a way to understand the story of Richard Williams from a from a feminist anti patriarchy stance that like it, it's if, if you're if you're going to topple some of what society has constructed, which is just essentially a self-interested society. You leave men in charge of everything for centuries and millennia, and it's going to be built in such a way that benefits men, right? Yeah. Would you not need help from the inside to help turn it on its head? Is there a Venus and Serena Williams without Richard Williams going to bat for them using the power that was granted to him by society in order to help bring about 
change and put on display uh, a dominant, dominant athletic feats by incredibly worthy and gifted women like that it's it, it, it but it would be i don't know it'd be weird man it would be like lebron won in a movie made about gloria his dad wasn't in the picture and men getting mad and saying that like this takes away from lebron just because the movie's about see gloria like dude, that would be bizarre and i don't is, think that it's anti-feminist to say that some of these people coming out and saying that they have an issue with king richard being about a man is bizarre Dude, they are taking societal issues, like you said earlier, and turning them into family issues. Like, this is their father who took care of them, looked after them. The literal patriarchy. (laughs) Yes, they didn't paint him perfectly. Dude, but in this idea, I reject the idea of, of, like, when destroy the patriarchy, it, it, it is silly to me because because I completely understand the destroy the idea that everything should favor men exclusively. Right. That men should be the only people in charge of things and all of this stuff. No, should be the best person for the job. All this. OK. Right. But the idea that that fathers especially are consistently cut down and acted like they're not needed and that men are are not needed. We we are. Like you can't raise like children come out better, more well adjusted, all of these things when they come from a healthy a healthy two parent home. This is this is just the facts. So the and and that doesn't negate the need or the power of women or the power of men. It's, it's that men and women were created differently. We have different sets of skills, strengths, and, and mind you, there are individual factors, sliding scales of all these things, but they're meant to complement each other, not to act alone. So like the, the, the idea that, that, oh, women, we don't need men or men, we don't need women. I reject it like completely. It, it's asinine to me, Ralph. I just think that in a just society, women should be able to make a movie about their dad. <laughs> that's all it comes. That's all it comes down to. It's like it, it's it, the the whole thing of like you, your story is your story. It it is what it is. You can absolutely have a comment on how you know it, within the actual movie that it, the fact that it took a man. The fact that it took a man being as protective and forceful and uniquely visioned um, as Richard Williams uh, in order to put Venus and Serena in a position to succeed, and it couldn't just be in the hands of a just society, is a comment in itself on that, like, hey, maybe we still need change, but in the in, in the interim, it's a good thing that we have... But if you have- look at what this dude did, he literally... Oh, and they gave their mom credit, too. They gave the mom credit for, like, making some of this happen, too. But Richard Williams literally hustled up coaches to make sure they got training, all of this stuff, read books about it, worked at night, came up, like, bro, like, he did good stuff, and the mom did, too. They gave the mom credit, too. Like, I, I just... I want us to get to a point of where, like, like yes, you are supposed to help groups that are that are either marginalized out out in the world or m- minorities help speak up for them, right? But sometimes just shut the fuck up, like like <laughs> if it's not about you. I mean, bro, like. Like at what it's point? It's hard. It's hard. It's hard to not relate everything back to your own experience and your own struggle and everything that you're going. And, and so you have to do the hard thing. And sometimes the hard thing is to take yourself out of the picture. It is to take yourself out of the picture hey, and focus okay. that energy. Dude, dude that's that like energy. it being a Christmas movie and and Jewish people being like, oh my God, why isn't this movie about Hanukkah? Because it's a Christmas movie, homie. You can go yeah, make I your mean, Hanukkah movie. Right, right. But it, the difference would be if it was a Christmas movie made by Jews. 
Because then you'd be like, but this Christmas movie was made. So like Venus and Serena may help make this movie. They're executive producers on this movie. Your your offense, like ask them, ask them what they think. You, The idea that we got to go to war for people who didn't ask for our help, didn't want it and are maybe moving <laughs> in another and direction. don't want your help and do not right. want your help. They're, they're like, no, because. No, no, no. Because you wear the armor, right? This is the battle that you're fighting. You're out there uh, trying to move the, the the goalposts for what women are allowed to be, how they're portrayed, and a big a, a big issue with uh, uh, just like there are a lot of issues in society right now of like things that were built two, three, four hundred years ago. It would be like, hey, we're having this year's wheelchair basketball comp, uh, uh, convention at the top of the stairs. And everybody's standing around being like, I don't think this was built for this. Like, we need to make this more equitable because we're asking all these people to wheel themselves up the stairs to go to this convention. Like, that is how so many things in society are structured. They were built by men with the idea that women weren't going to participate and then scaffolded upon for generations and generations and generations, right? So there are people that have to be in that mindset battling 24-7 to make sure that people who aren't aware become aware that these things that were built specifically for men now have to service women and they don't do the best job of that. But when women, extremely accomplished women, the best at what they ever did women come along and say that they want to use that system to make something that honors a man, that's the time that you just have to step back and be like, okay, no, this is part of it. This is part of what we fought for. Bro. And they're telling their own story. All right, bro. I, I could talk about this for hours. <laughs> All right. So we just found out Dan Mullen got fired at Florida. Dan Mullen, who a year ago was playing in a New Year's Six Bowl. And How they many got, apology uh, letters have you gotten from all the Florida fans that give you grief all day, every day? None. None. None of them. Interesting. They are very silent right now. Where, where are you at, Florida fans? Talked all that trash. Oh, why don't you have us ranked? Because I saw this coming, people. I didn't know it was going to get this bad, but I knew Florida was not very good. Like, I, kn- I knew that they had problems on defense. But, bro, the I, it, it's like this SEC thing. They're like, oh, we're, we're, we're in the SEC. We're automatically better. Bro, this is at, r- r- ridiculous. Florida fans, stand up. Don't just sit here and talk. When you are on top, because you haven't been on top for for quite some time. And this whole Dan Mullen thing went from sugar to shit real fast. And hopefully that whatever lessons that he needs to learn in this situation, that he figures it out and he can go somewhere else and be successful. Have nothing against Dan, Dan, Dan Mullen. Wish the best for him and his family. Like, um, but the but this whole situation. Right now, we have LSU, USC, Florida, Washington, Virginia Tech, TCU, Miami, Washington State, maybe Auburn, uh, FIU, UMass, UConn, um, all open, which may then put Penn State, Iowa State, Cincinnati, Baylor open. Bro, these buyouts are on max. These fan bases... College football fan bases have lost their mind, dude. They have lost their mind. The the microwave results that they want are insanity. Dude, people talking about Mel Tucker. Oh, Mel Tucker, they should have never paid him this money. He's 9-2. Everybody predict the over-under in Vegas for wins for them this year was 4 and people are like, oh, my God, he got a house by Ohio State. Yes, his roster is not where it needs to be yet. He, But he's a good coach, so he can walk into, if you're a good coach, right, you can pretty much walk into nine wins every year with the with the way schedules are constructed at this point in time. You can walk into nine, nine wins. But then the, but then it's those other three wins that th- three losses or four losses. I, I, should, I should say you can't walk into nine wins. You can walk into eight wins. 
So the but those four losses are from teams that are more talented than than you. You have to fix your rosters. That's why the job was open in the first place. But now fans have lost it, dude. You have at insane Oregon fans. Sorry, I don't know if Mario Cristobal is right for this job. Maybe we need somebody else. What the hell are you talking about, people? You sound like morons. Like this is one that this is the best recruiting coach that has ever walked into Oregon as far as recruiting. And then if you want to talk about X's and O's and all that stuff, he's made really good hires on the offensive and the defensive coordinator job. And then the ones that weren't as great, he upgraded those. So like the, and it it didn't work immediately for Dabo Sweeney. He had to get it right. It took him like seven, yeah. eight years to win a national championship. Like, it, but if your team is competitive, winning 10 years, 10 games year in and year out, one year you're going to break through. Just chill out. Like this, I, I can't, Ralph. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay. I mean, yes, the expectations have gotten out of control. The buyouts have gotten out of control. All of that is factual. I think some of the best advice I've ever received is never run away, always run toward something. And I see a lot of people firing people without a plan. Like, we'll go into this interview process. We'll find somebody that can be right in all the ways that our current coach was wrong. And we can use that to shape the future. But so much of college football is collective effort. It's proper staffing. It's um, 
the ability to deal with the media, the ability to re- relate intergenerationally. Um, it's it's also the ability to like be effective on game day. It's also the ability to be effective with the boosters. It's also the ability of a coach and many people get into coaching because they want to be the boss and are not so good at having a boss. It's also your ability to relate to your boss, the athletic director at the school who has his own bosses to be able to strike it on all of those things. And then to have the patience to allow somebody to build and, and, and enact a a plan that's going to be sustainable for a long time. You can't have the current culture that we have right now of the, of the, just like he's not performing fire and we'll figure it out later. You should only be letting go of your staff. If you have a plan to move forward, bro, period, bro, that's it. You should not be firing everybody. If you are entering a marketplace in which you are going to compete for if dude, if if six or seven major, major schools are competing for two or three guys who are ultimately going to be successful, then you're just putting yourself back in the spin cycle of having to do this two, three years from now. They all want the exact same thing. So LSU, Billy Napier, (laughs) LSU, USC, Florida, UW, Miami, TCU. Virginia Tech and maybe Auburn if that comes open. But but same thing maybe for uh, Miami as well. They all say they want the exact same thing. A proven yeah. head coach who can win and recruit. Where are those at, Ralph? Where are right. those guys at? Right. They're, they're all at really good jobs already. Yeah. Or, <laughs> like, or, 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 or. The guys that you're projecting to be able to do that actually haven't had the, the opportunity to to do it for as long as you would need them to. So like guys like Billy Napier, who have been at University of Louisiana for four years, you're trying to make a seven, eight year hire out of somebody who has an example of doing this for four years. You might run into some trouble around year five because you never gave them the opportunity to get to year five. They don't know what year five is like. Dude, how many right? Like it's how many head coaches now because of this oversaturation of of demand, right? Obviously, coaching salaries are going to go way up. But now the question is, how many schools are going to end up in a situation to where they're hiring a retread coach? Like they're like, let's get Bob Stoops out of retirement. Let's get uh. Let's let's go try to let's try to steal Chip Kelly. Let's try to uh hire somebody. Let's let's go get Hugh Freeze. Let's get, like Art Bryles. We got to get Art Bri- dude. This hiring cycle is getting so frenetic that Art Bryles may get a job. He how might. how so how many retread head coaches that didn't have success at their last job are going to Oh, and how long b- before somebody tries to hire Mike Mike Leach away from? Right, right. And but here here's the thing: some of those guys could be good. Some of those guys could be good. I'm here to say that if someone, Florida International University, wants to take a risk on a guy like Rich Rodriguez and give him five six years to build something new and exciting at your school, even with your budget issue, somebody who will be grateful to be there because he'd been fired from his last two des- like head coaching destinations uh, where he had success comparable to what the people that followed him had, maybe even better in some cases. Like, who's going to do that? Because that might be the best fit for your school. So there's going to be see, some people who just see, want the new the thing, FIUs. who aren't going to go after a retread. They're going to do it based solely on potential the way the NBA used to pick guys out of high school. And then the NBA had to step in and make a rule that they have to be at least one year out of high school to protect yourself from your own obsession with potential, because you could really go either way with it. You could pull an ASU and grab a guy who's been on TV for nine years, or you could hire somebody's special teams coach who has never had a position, a, a, a leadership position um, in their entire life and just hope it works like, like uh, John Harbaugh with the Baltimore Ravens or Joe, Joe judge with the, right. like with you, the you, giants. 
Yeah. And so it just, it, it, it's really tough. And a lot of these athletic directors seem to be betting on their ability to not do what 80% of these hires do, which is go belly up in four years. Dude, they, these people are acting like people do in relationships. They are operating on the 80, 20 rule that, that they look at that. They're like, yeah, this person has 80% of what I want, but I want the other 20%. Like, that's what I need. I need this 80, but I also need these other 20%. And then they go fire, they go break up with their relationship to go get with the 20%. And then you're like, oh, damn, I and now I'm, I only got 20% or I got 60%. Damn, what about the other 40? Right. And some of your solutions create problems. We got to recruit better. What ends up happening when you go and get guys who can recruit in an elite level? They get they get other jobs, right? Which means you remove the consistency yeah. and the relationships from so, the situation because once they prove it, they move on, and then you have to be able to replace those people at a high level. So somebody might have the right connections in the moment, but do they have the connections down the line? Do you have the resources? If like at Michigan State, where Michigan State isn't poning up, up a dime for that extension for Mel Tucker. Yep. which is going to set an extreme market for some of these athletic programs that are actually paying out the nose to do the buyouts and get the new coaches. So if you have somebody who's going to come in and foot the bill for the contract, you can do whatever you want. So Ralph, so I'm going to name some teams and you okay. tell me how many of them believe that they should be in the top five or actually I'll just go top 10 in recruiting every year. Right. Okay. Well, and then you tell me if you think that they that their fan bases and their athletic directors believe that they should be in the top five re recruiting every year. OK, yeah. Georgia. Georgia should be in a top recruiting team every single year. Alabama. Alabama should be in the top every year. Texas A&M. Texas A&M should be in the top every other year. Notre Dame. Notre Dame should be competing to be in that 10 to 15 spot every year. Ohio State. Ohio no, no, State no, no. I'm saying, what do you think their fan bases think? Uh, number one, number one, number one, number yeah. one. All the way down the line. Uh, Texas. They, absolutely, completely delusional. Oklahoma. They have cause to believe that they should be number one. Oregon. They, I think are a little bit more realistic, but like you and I talked about, Elijah Ricks is going into the portal. Uh, and Elijah Ricks is one of the best cornerbacks that high school on the West coast has produced in some time. And you, I was like, you, you said he's going to the portal. And I said, Oh wow. And you said, maybe Oregon has a chance. And I told you like, it must be nice to yeah. feel like you're in the mix. Right. Because like it, you're still like, I think you're still realistic that like you should at least be in competition for the best players on the West coast, but to actually feel like you have a shot, that's a completely different mindset. And I think you share that mindset. Yeah. I don't think it's unrealistic, but you have those expectations, George. Yeah. Okay. So now Clemson, LSU, Florida state and USC. They all, all believe that, right? All Four of those fan bases believe they should be top 10. Michigan. Oh, I forgot about Mi Michigan. I think Michigan is, I think Michigan is technically okay with being between 10 and 10 and 20, as long as they're winning. Like, oh I think yeah. That they'll and, make and then there's Florida, UCLA, like, <laughs> like all of these schools, right. there are 25 schools whose fan bases think that they should be in the top 10 recruiting every single year. That's true. And Florida, Florida's fans are right, though. I do just want to point out that University of Florida's fans are correct. They have multiple national championships and they are in the hotbed of the best recruit. And they're close to the Georgia border, which is also ridiculous for recruiting. And they should be able to pull from the SEC market. Florida fans it is an appropriate expectation to be in the conversation. Some of these teams for like Notre Dame, if they wanted to be top five year in, year out, I don't think that's an appropriate expectation. I think they should be expected to be in the top 10 year in and year out. 
But that's ooh, that's tough. Like UCLA should just expect to be in the conversation for some of the best recruits on the West Coast. The fact that they're not in the conversation is something that should frustrate their their fans. For the longest time, you know, when I was covering Arizona State, people would be like, "Man, Arizona State keeps finishing runner up for all these guys that end up at Notre Dame or USC or you know or Oregon or whatever," and they get really mad. And I'd be like, "Runner up is good. Runner up is transfer portal consideration. Like you were never yeah. going to get these." You were never going to get these kids. It's better to be their second choice than it is to not be in the conversation because yeah. that keeps your brand like relevant. Like the fact that Cyrus Moss, one of the best recruits in the country is considering uh, Arizona state right now it, with all of the uh, scandal that they're, you know, embroiled he's, in. He's not, he's not really, but, but the fact that they are, yeah. is going to be something that other recruits all over the country see and be like, oh, for oh sure. what's Arizona State have going on? Yep. That's and a good thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I would agree with that. And Antonio Pierce has paid to – I mean, he's he's uh, helped re- recruit to make that happen. Dude. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. <laughs> all right. The last thing up, the NFL. The NFL has – dude, they have messed around. Teams had a chance to stretch out their their leads – their division leads, and now they have not done it. In the AFC East, the Buffalo Bills are now behind, behind the New England Patriots in the in the division. The uh oh, the in the AFC West, they have let the Kansas City Chiefs get back in first place. Unbelievable. The uh the Dallas Cowboys are letting the Philadelphia Eagles creep up a little bit. The uh, the uh, Tampa Bay Buc- Buccaneers are flirting with the uh, Saints. Bro, why are we getting so many outlier r- results? And I'm keying in on the Buffalo Bills. They lost to the Jaguars two weeks ago, which should have been a wake-up call. And then they get absolutely their teeth kicked in by the Colts yesterday. From the Gospel of George Reister... The thing that gets you to the party is not the thing that keeps you there. So yep. in, in, in the case of the Buffalo Bills, um, the development of Josh Allen and the, the uh, rebuilding of the New England Patriots provided a unique opportunity for the Bills to be relevant in that moment. At the end of the day, it's still a run game and defense. That's still the thing that's going to keep you at the party. Josh Allen is their running back. And their quarterback, but they don't. They know it's a 17 game season. They don't want him out there running, and so the, it's it's almost like they have handcuffed him for the good of the franchise. But they still don't have that ability to take that responsibility off his plate through establishing the run. Um, I, you know me as a Josh Allen fan. I am loving that people are like, did he lose his fastball? People didn't even think we were going to get to a point in this man's career where we were talking about, did he lose his fastball, right? And the, did he lose his fastball is a lot like the whole Patrick Mahomes thing where like people are like, what's wrong with Patrick Mahomes, who is currently leading the NFL in passing. Josh Allen is sitting at like a 24 to 10 touchdown to, uh, to, to, to interception ratio. And if that's his bottom, then that's something we can work with. We need to fix the fact that Indianapolis has the ability to run the ball and Buffalo does not have the ability to Dude, run the ball. How do you lose 41 to 15 when the opposing quarterback goes basically 50%, 11 for 20 for 106 yards? <laughs> Ask Jonathan Taylor and <laughs> his five touchdowns. He was re- relentless yesterday and that's that's the thing. You know, that's how the tight that's how the Titans built up. And then eventually when Ryan Tannehill had the ability to like assert himself and say, I'm an experienced NFL starter. I know what I'm doing. I've got a grasp of this offense. Then you have your running game and then you have a competent quarterback and you can move forward from there. If, if, if uh, Carson Wentz catches some heat toward the end of the season, the Colts are going to run away with that division and be a threat. Come, so you know, come are you nervous? Super Bowl contender. Are you nervous about Josh Allen? Because I have been saying the whole entire time. I said last year was a phenomenal season. But every player in the NFL has an outlier season, like their best season. You know what I mean? To, right. St- statistically. E- e- even Tom Brady. I saw somebody yesterday called uh, Josh Allen, is he the new Nick Foles? And I was like, whoa. Because so, Nick Foles had the one really good year, yeah. and then he came back the next year 
as himself. Yeah, but but so so if you remove a player's best season, then what do you have? Uh, that that's where you really like if you remove their best season and their worst season, that's where you find out who a guy really is. So I'm still trying to figure out who Josh Allen really is. You know what I mean? Whether last season was an outlier and then the floor, like if this season is the floor, you still got a really good quarterback. But yeah. he's not in the level that you may have thought after last last season. So I'm still yeah. trying to figure out where who Josh Allen is because he's clearly a good quarterback. But is he a great quarterback? I think the jury's still out. Yeah, and I'm I mean, again. I'm just happy to even be having this conversation. Um, I think you know you you get into that whole thing where uh, let's say you put is Nas, that is that is that fair? Yeah, no, it's absolutely fair. Let's say you put Nas under the hood of your car, right? So that you know, in a race, you kick on the nitrous, give you uh, that extra boost, right? The nitrous is supposed to be a just in case feature. It's not supposed to be who you are and what you do. Yeah, and I think that the Buffalo Bills right now are trying to get to the point where. Josh Allen is not out there doing everything himself because that is not the recipe for a long-term sustainable success for the Bills franchise. They need him to have the ability to do those things, but not necessarily rely on them. I think that it's very possible that some of these growing pains are necessary in order to establish the long-term health of the bills franchise. The issue is in the NFL that you can't, you don't always have the ability to do something like that. And it took bill Belichick one year to figure out what he was going to do without Tom Brady. And they're already back. So it would not surprise me to see Josh Allen get uncuffed and whether that's good for the bills or not for him to be out, you know, trying to, trying to do everything. Um, I don't think you should have to be in a position of like desperation, right? Yeah. I don't think the bills should. I think the bills should keep trying to figure out ways to make sure that they have the ability to run the ball when the time comes, because I think they saw a close up what Jonathan Taylor and that Indianapolis Colts offensive line did to them. Meanwhile, George, we still have these teams losing to uh, cupcake opponents. The NFL is wild. We talked about this last week about how every elite NFL team had a bad loss. And now the Titans join the mix after getting wrecked in the rain by the Houston Texans. Yep. What are we supposed to do with that information? Yeah, bro. That is, they were down 19, nothing at one point, And it felt like a thousand bro. They, but this shows you how bad the Texans are because Tyrod Taylor can't throw the ball in the rain is that, Tannehill threw four interceptions, four, and they still only won by, <laughs> and they still only scored 22 points, which is wild, dude, which is absolutely wild. Um, what do you, do you, I have one question for you though. Three straight weeks, no DeAndre Hopkins, no Kyler Murray. Colt McCoy threw 44 passes in a win over the Seahawks. I think the Seahawks are done for. I think it's, it's time for a full rebuild. Um, you're not going to be able to tinker and, and get your footing in that division. You're just not. But are you? Do you think the Cardinals are more for real now that they've had three weeks without Kyler Murray and gone two and one than you did before when they were eight and zero headed into that Packers game or yeah. seven and zero headed into that Packers game? What do you think? Do you think that 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 this this is uh, reason for more people to be afraid of the Cardinals as a threat? Yes. Okay. Yes, bro. They are by far the best team in the in the NFL. By by far. Um even though their quarterback's out, their number one receiver's out, their number one running back has been out for weeks. Yes, bro. That do, do you understand that if you can win with that, then you can win with with anything. This is bro, this team is the scariest team in the NFL. I'm telling you this right now, bro. There is no more scary team because they're like, they don't have their quarterback. They don't have the, I mean, but, but then you're going to get some idiots soon talking about some, well, maybe they're better without Kyler. <laughs> no, <laughs> definitely not. Yeah. 
Yeah. But I mean, it, it, the, the possibility exists. I mean, it's a small possibility. The possibility exists. Come playoff time, you get Kyler back, D hop back, Chase Edmonds back and JJ Watt back. Assuming the wheels don't fall off. Otherwise that could be, that could be a team that competes for sure. Yep. Absolutely. So, um, yeah. So, okay. So now aside from the Cardinals, who are the best teams in the NFL? Right, right, right now. Top three. Top three teams in the NFL. Um, I will give you mine first while, uh, while uh, you, cause, cause we didn't talk, talk about this prior. Okay. I'm going to actually let's go t- top four since, since we do four up four down. Okay. I'm going right. to go Arizona Cardinals one. Okay. I am going to go um, uh, Dallas Cowboys two. Kansas City three. And believe it or not, New England Patriots four. Interesting. I also have the Patriots at four. Yeah. And and I know Packers fans are like, well, what about the Packers, bro? Listen, I think this is a good team. But but it's competition at the top, buddy. Yeah, I'm gonna. I, I will. Uh, I'll say that um, I definitely have the Patriots at, at four. Uh, the way that they're playing on both sides of the ball is fantastic, and it's not dependent upon any single player for them to to be able to come out and win. They have like seven different receivers that are all contributing a little bit, which is kind of fun to watch. Um, Tampa Bay is my number three. Uh, I think they have the benefit of playing in a in a division that is just beating the crap out of each other. They're four and zero at home, and if they can maintain home field advantage, I think they have a pretty clear path. Um, I would put Arizona at two, um, and then one is tough because the Chiefs are really coming on strong. Um, but I currently have the Chiefs at number five, and I still believe the Cowboys are the most complete team in the NFL. So to me, the most dangerous team is is Dallas. When they do everything right, they look the absolute best. And then Arizona and then Tampa Bay. I, it would shock me if the Super Bowl champion came out of the AFC this year. And at number four, I have the Patriots. See, I, I, that, that is a, uh, a reasonable so thing. Five and oh on the road, Patriots, by the way. Yes. Yeah, bro. <laughs> Her, uh, this is exciting, dude. This is exciting this season. But um, you guys, that's Reister wrong for the day. I'm George Reister. He's Ralph Amsden. Peace out. Catch you guys later. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here and this season takes it to a whole new level old school legends modern power players and ex-lovers are all competing in cape town south africa for the prize of three hundred thousand dollars and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast listen to mtv's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, 
Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.